Hi, I'm Sally Prosser. Welcome to That Voice Podcast. Great to have you here. I believe your voice matters and deserves to be heard. I started this podcast to share free, practical tips to help you speak with more confidence, to grow your business, advance your career, and avoid totally freaking out about public speaking. As a former TV journalist and company spokesperson, qualified speech and drama teacher, TikToker, and general lover of life, I know firsthand about the power of showing up with confidence. Your voice is the soundtrack to your personal brand. Are you ready to turn it up? Hello, welcome to episode 76 of That Voice Podcast. Our topic today is MCing. Have you ever been asked to MC? It's not easy, it's a bit of an art. And today my guest is someone who's done a lot of MCing. Peter Hopwood is a speaker coach, kind of like me, but no one's quite like me, let's be honest. <laughs> Peter's MC'd more than 300 events in 20 countries, and of course now he's traveling the world virtually. Peter and I chat about the role of the MC, the do's and the don'ts, the microphones, and of course the shift from stage to screen. And how do you keep the attention and not fall victim to the old Zoom Teague? But first, are you sick of getting nervous before speaking? Tired of saying ums and ahs and tripping over your words? Frustrated your voice sounds weak or boring? Imagine being able to confidently speak when called on. Hitting record and not doing 100 takes. Captivating an audience with your voice. Sounds great, right? Then join my six-week voice makeover. Over six weeks, we dive into the fundamental steps you need to make an impact every time you speak. How to hack your mindset. How to tap into your body. Control your breathing. Literally speak from your heart. Form your words and phrases clearly. And top it all off with beautiful expression. To make it happen, join my six-week voice makeover by heading to my website, sallyprosser.com.au, or just click the link in the show notes. Look forward to seeing you there. All right, let's get into my chat with international MC extraordinaire, Peter Hopwood. Peter Hopwood, welcome to That Voice Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm delighted we managed to connect in different parts of the world and uh, and I'm looking forward to, to how this conversation is going to unfold. Love it. And tell us, whereabouts are you and what time is it? Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm in a, a, a city called Split on the Croatian coast, southern Croatian coast in Dalmatia. Um, it's sunny, it's, it's morning, it's just gone past 11 o'clock in the morning. I believe it's around seven in the evening where you are so pretty much we are jumping across the world through the power of of podcast technology <laughs> that is absolutely gorgeous i think there's a few nightclubs in split that i'm still not allowed back into so <laughs> probably best that i am over this side of the world <laughs> so it's always great to connect with somebody else who does voice and public speaking training because you know, we're really talking the same language. And today I would love to focus on what I like to call the unsung hero of a lot of events. <laughs> and the unsung hero is often the MC. Wouldn't you agree that it's deceptively one of the most difficult jobs to do? I would agree. I think um, you've certainly had a lot of experience in doing that role. And, and, and I do this role for many 
conference uh, producers, event organisers, all, all globally now, not physically now, but uh, virtually now and physically before. But yeah, that, that role is uh, a very specific type of public speaking. It's a very specific type of, of engagement. So a keynote speaker, his role is very different from, from the MC of the event. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, a, a difficult and specific niche kind of role. And, uh, and the more you do it, in fact, the more you do it, as, as with many other things in terms of public speaking, you get better at it and you learn often through the hard way um, how, to, how to really step up and improve. Absolutely. I find um, a lot of clients who I work with, they've just been asked to MC event MC an event. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister because so often the organiser has got a specific prof- professional speaker in, but they've thought, oh, yeah, we can just get anybody to MC it. And people say, Sally, I've been asked to MC. How do I do this? So, what is some of the advice that you would give to somebody who has this role just thrust upon them? If we rewind a little bit, at the end of the day, it's really looking at that role and, and what is the purpose of an MC. In your conversations or discussions with the event organizer, understanding what he or she or they want from an MC or from the event will really help you understand how you can be part of that puzzle. Often, an MC is there simply to keep things running smoothly, keep things together, to get people excited or, or to introduce what's coming next, to kind of piece together the ideas that speakers have shared. And, and overall, you are almost the face of that event. You are the person probably they will remember, probably remember the most, even more than some of the keynote speakers, because you are actually there many times. You're on stage, you have short, sharp stints on stage, but your, your role is really, as I say, to keep everything together and to create that feeling that something good is about to happen. So you're not the, like you said, the unsung hero. You're not the person who's the number one attraction, although many MCs feel they are. <laughs> but it's but it's about really, as I say, introducing the speakers that are coming next, getting something in their mind so that they're ready to be receptive to the messages that are coming, creating the right mood. So finding that out, talking to your to your event producer, event organizer, and just saying simple, asking simple questions like, at the end of this event. What do you want people to walk away with? How, what's the feeling of this event? What do you want people, what do you want people to, to kind of walk away with and feel after the, the, this two-day conference or one-day conference or just an hour conference or event once it's finished? How do you want them to, to feel? What do you want them to do? And so understanding that will help you understand your role, as I say, in, in this puzzle. Yeah, as an MC, you're really holding everything together. You've MC'd a lot of events. I would love to know what has gone wrong because so often <laughs> things go wrong and then the MC has to come and save the day. I'd love to hear a story. <laughs> what has gone wrong? Um, many things have gone wrong. Um, many things have gone right through things going wrong, in fact. For me, if I was to sort of sh- share some advice for MCs that are maybe starting out or maybe have been doing it quite a while, but just to help them maybe shift their, their perspective. I had this impression that I was a, a very um, important part of the event. Uh, people were there 
not to see me and not they weren't coming for me naturally you know that, that's not the case at all but I did feel I, I felt at the beginning my my ego was kind of like a lot a lot higher than it than it certainly is now so having this kind of humble focus focused on the value that the audience need you know what do they really want from this what do they really want from the next speaker what's the next speaker what what's he about to share rather than who he is i used to come on for example and then um really feel as if people were were there listening to me i don't deserve their time right that i have to earn their time everybody's time is so so precious and me as an mc i have to earn that time so i have to give them something that's going to make them think okay I'm going to stick around. I want to stick around for the next speaker. I want to stick around, not just physically. So physically, most people don't just walk up if they're not happy with something in a conference. They don't walk, get up and walk away. They'll stay there, but emotionally in their minds, but they'll turn off. They'll just switch off, like, like online. <laughs> when you're not happy with something, you don't see any value, you don't see anything for you, you'll, you'll switch off. I, so many times before, I used to present the, the speaker his bio, how great he is or she is, really kind of bigging them up, giving them this kind of great status, thinking that was the way people will stick around mentally. But then I realized, quickly realized that, you know, it's not about, certainly not about who they are. It's about the value they're going to share. So you can have a, a great spe a speaker that has a great title, works for a, a great company, but at the end of the day, it's his message and what the value he shares, which is so important. So I then would switch and focus on the message he's going to give. So then I would start. So I would start by introducing what's happening next as the topic. Then at the end, just a, you know, a line or two about who he is. And then the very last thing I would say is his name. So first name and then surname. People are there for, for value. And it's not about who you are. It's never about who you are. Unless you are, unless you are, you know, a, a great celebrity, Madonna, uh, presidents of the United States, um, big top people that people pay to see, then yes. Me and you, right now, we're not in that category. And most of us aren't, unless we're a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, it's such great advice. Research not who they are, but what they're going to share. And so often organisers will just give you this hash together LinkedIn bio to read out. And it's just so awful. It doesn't engage anybody, does it? The um, one story that comes to mind when I was emceeing was I'd asked to use a lapel microphone just because it's you know easier if you can walk around and they had one available. And then the speaker who was coming up hadn't thought to ask, if she could have a lapel, so she had a hand held. So as I introduced her, she walked up to me and said, can I please use your microphone? <laughs> and then on the stage, I was there. And you know what it's like? I, what do you say? And so I had to take this microphone off and thread it like through my top, <laughs> you know. I can imagine. And then help pull imagine. her up to the microphone. It was just so awkward. After I'd done this amazing introduction and said her name, this big handover, and then we were looking like we were undressing each other on the stage yeah, while trying I can to change a microphone. An embarrassing moment, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> so with microphones, so I, I, again, learned very 
quickly early on that that um, having a hand mic there are lots of benefits for having a hand mic I don't know what what you tend to go for but for me a hand mic gives me there are so many benefits for example you can manipulate your voice better with a hand mic so you can put it slightly mm. closer to your to your mouth slightly closer to your chin and that the voice you can change better as well also panelists or other speakers, if something goes wrong, and, and often something does, especially with um, head mics or, or even the lapel mics, often I find there's, there's, there's more difficulty and more tech issues with those than, than, than hand mics. So when there's an issue on stage, for example, if, if it can't be solved, it's really, really easy for me to just jump on and give them my mic and then jump off. Mm. So it's a really kind of... Um, way of of keeping everything running smoothly as well rather than one of the tech guys comes on fiddles with it waits a few seconds it's a, it's a way of just keeping everything running and, and 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 moving smoothly as well and many times i've done that where i've literally jumped on given them my mic they just have to take earpiece out of their ear and then away they go then i work out how i'm going to get the mic back or, or just get another mic from somewhere else yeah that's a really really great Great tip that I should have taken on board. I prefer to speak with a lapel just because I gesture like a northern Italian. Yeah. <laughs> with my hands all over the place normally. But you're right. Uh, when I'm also running a panel, handheld is better because you can just hand it across if you yeah. need to. Yeah. With using my hands, again, it, as you know, really important that people can see your what your hands are doing and, and your body and, and that full image of you from top to toe really creates that trust and really gets gets people closer to you. So with with a hand mic, you could you could argue, well hang on a minute, how do you do that with just one hand? So I tend to put my gestures towards the center so it's symmetrical. Yeah, love it. So all of this talk of talk of microphones, this is something we haven't had to worry about in the world of COVID, right, with everything being online, it's not like we're handing microphones across the stage anymore. So take us through how has the last year been for you and how has it been emceeing virtual events? Straight away, literally, um, I was set for I think it was Mobile World Congress and then that fell apart quickly. And then from then on, all my events, uh, all the events I was scheduled to do um, stopped. Um, and for them, as as event organisers, for them, they needed to figure out and navigate what their next step was. Some of those went straight on to kind of Zoom. Others stopped and thought about, you know, in the long run, what are we going to do? And decided to do other things on different platforms. Um, others, um, their budgets were cut. Some of them completely stopped. So it's a whole kind of mixed bag. For me, it's really it was a case of connecting with organisers that were looking at doing hybrid events or events where I could actually MC from from my home or a studio, a local studio nearby, and then beam that out with their platform to their audience. And tell us, what have you learned? What have you learned about MCing online? I'm sure everyone's been learning together. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different skill set, and a lot of um, a lot of the, the the skills, a lot of the, the the ways to engage, the ways to build trust as uh, as an MC online is exactly the same way we are all trying to do when we're on meetings, webinars, sales calls, intro calls on on Zoom every single day. Um, so. A lot of this is about 
that trust and engagement? How do you build that up in a short period of time and really make people who are listening to you and looking at you listen more, grab their attention and also keep them moving along with your message? And how do you do it? The first thing is in your mind, remember, being concise, being sharp, being shorter, sharing your messages which are clearer, at the end of your sentences, stopping, pausing, and then going on to another sentence. People's time is more valuable now in a virtual world than it is physical. Now, if you think about Netflix, you think about series on TV, pretty much everything we watch through a screen is designed to grab our attention, to create an experience that's really going to make us feel good and keep watching. Yeah, so Netflix fatigue, you don't really hear about Netflix fatigue, although we, we hit, naturally hear about Zoom fatigue and, and, and this, this feeling, this fatigue feeling that we have when we're online. That's simply because we're not sharing, we're not creating an experience that is, is as smooth, is as engaging, is as, um, um, you know, that connection isn't as high as it is on, on TV. But there's many things we can do. For example, so your lighting where your ring light is, if you've got a ring light, where your lamps are, the lighting behind you, the lighting in front of you, all of the frame, what people can see, all of this really plays a part. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of emceeing, how have you gone, and this would also relate to people who are managing meetings online, I'm sure. It's in the physical environment, it's a lot easier because you can stand at the front or you can be on stage, you can look to different people, you can gesture side to side. How do you okay, do that so virtually? I think that the, the first thing is that the, the preparation you put into this will always be beneficial. And when we're doing things online, there are more things to think about. To be a successful event, you really need to have things that keep people engaged, that keep people's uh, attention moving. So just having one person, so just having me as the event um, MC and, and pretty much a platform which is pretty dull, let's just say it was Zoom, that would literally say I have to take responsibility to really get as much engagement as I can, which is really tough and quite a burden on me and quite a pressure on me. So the platform has to be something that gives change. It has to keep moving. Things have to keep switching. A lot of uh, event organisers now are looking at having more than one MC. Just the fact of having two people can create even more engagement. So it's looking at all different ways you can keep things moving. In terms of what I've got here in the screen, I just make sure that what people see, they can see uh, my face. Because this is almost like, it's almost a, a more intimate exchange than in person. You know, you're looking at me right now. I'm looking at you. And you can see my face. You can really see my, my expressions. You can really feel those micro expressions that come out instantly connected to how I'm feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm interested in is in the last year, what are some of the cool things you've seen event organisers do to keep things moving? I see a lot of platforms today which have really incorporated um, colour. They've really incorporated sound and things are moving constantly. So as an MC, my, my part would be actually a lot shorter than it would be on stage. 
things will be in the screen actually moving perhaps behind me as well. So all these ideas of creating engagement and constant movement really helps. So think about, think about this. So, so years ago, I think it was um, Friends. I think Friends, when Friends was on in the, in the late 80s or was it the, the early 90s, the, the TV channels over in, in America, they decided to, to create this, this idea which would keep people's attention. So right at the end of Friends, instead of having the last frame and then going on to credits, they would do the last frame, credits would disappear, and then straight away straight away go on to the next, so the first frame of the next show. This was a deliberate way to keep people's attention, not let them kind of get up. When a commercial usually comes on, 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 on the screen or there's credits, what usually happens, it's a signal for people to get up and, and walk away, maybe have a, a cup of tea and then come back, right? So this, this idea has been taken, let's say like right now, Netflix does that. At the end of that episode, what happens? Bottom right-hand corner, there's this uh, sliding small little tab. Next episode, I think it is. It goes along and then bang, goes straight to the next one. This was a a technique that was used years ago. Netflix are using it today. And even event organizers are using the same thing. Really trying to keep everything moving as much as possible because people's time, as I say, online is really valuable. We all kind of have got other things going on around us. So to keep people's attention on an event, with an event, for more than an hour is really difficult, even less, in fact. So event organizers, let's say a conference was a day, a full day of valuable content. Today, they would, they would usually kind of squeeze that in, from what I'm seeing, squeeze it into, let's say, a, a half day or three hours or maybe over a period of a, a month, lots of different webinars that create the same value, but gets people's attention and keeps their attention. Yeah, interesting. It also explains why TikTok is so popular. And uh, even though you can make videos up to a minute, most people only watch for about seven seconds. <laughs> so attention spans are definitely getting shorter. Yeah, TikTok, uh, you know, TikTok, Snapchat. And when we watch, for example, when we watch you know, um, news programs, CNN, Sky News, whatever it is, at the bottom, that scrolling, that scrolling, um, you know, the headlines at the bottom, that's not just there for you to see what the headlines are. It's it's put in there to really keep movement happening. So that's, yeah, that's something that I see a lot of event organizers have have realized. How do we keep people's attention in a world where where everybody's attention is, is often somewhere else. That's a big question, isn't it? Peter Hopwood, was there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> um, Peter Hopwood, I don't think he will add anything else. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they can find me on LinkedIn. And you never know, maybe in the future, that we'll be able to collaborate on something uh, together. Sounds great. We can MC an event from Split and Brisbane. <laughs> I think that's, that sounds beautiful. That sounds like a good, a good plan. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on That Voice podcast. Thanks so much. Let's let's hopefully do this again sometime. Thanks for listening to That Voice podcast. For episode details straight to your inbox, leave your email at www.thatvoicepodcast.com.